All right, what's going on, family? Uh, today, we want to do a special episode. Uh, we have a special guest uh, today, um, and I wanted to get uh, a perspective of someone on the front lines uh, during the pandemic uh, and someone who's actually working in the hospitals. Um, so today, we ha have our guest. I'm going to let uh, Mia do the introduction. Today we have my special, amazing, empowering, love to hear it, best friend Joy McCall. We're gonna give you guys a little insight on um, her experience. All right, I'm ready. All right, you ready? Okay. I, I really think that's important. That's all I really wanted to do this episode because uh, I feel like a lot of times people live. In uh, just one box, and don't really get to see multiple people' perspectives and the way they live their lives, or just different things that they go through. Uh, so I guess the first question uh, would be, uh, what is your title and what do you do? Um, I am a nurse. I'm an advanced practice nurse. Um, currently, I work in the acute care setting as a nurse educator over four med surge units. Um, I do still work at the bedside with an agency in Key Delaware, but that is my full-time position in okay. Northwest Indiana. <laughs> right. Shout out to the, the region. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, my first question and kind of get into the conversation um, what was the conversations and environment like at the hospital when the virus first emerged? So it wasn't necessarily the United States, but we kind of was talking about it. There weren't many. There weren't many conversations when it first emerged. It, the When it first emerged, it was the end of 2019 is when it first emerged. And so there weren't a ton of conversations, like most things, until it hits home. There's not a lot of rah-rah about it. talking about it like regular world news mm. like anything else yeah, like, okay. oh that's going over there but that, and that's, we good over here yeah, that's really real. that is how it usually does go like through every other epidemic and virus that came along we'd be like oh it ain't really it's if it ain't touch our shore we didn't really not care. worried about yeah. it uh -huh. right and it's always like that though it's always like that with any and everything until it touches home it doesn't become something to make a lot of noise about yeah, I remember I first heard about it when, well, of course I heard about it on the news, but I was not really worried about it. And when I started getting worried about it, and it was really before people started getting worried about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at my job where I work, um, a customer came in. She had just got back from China. And this uh, was, when was this? This was in. Yeah, this was in the 
beginning of January. Sure. Yeah, the beginning of January. She had said she just came back from something. And she came in mad up, okay, to, to my job. So, and I'm like, she came in looking like a ghostbuster. Yeah, she telling she telling me like, yeah, it's real bad over there. And I'm thinking, she telling me, I'm like, you, but you right here, right? Man, when she left out of uh, my job, I started wiping down everything. everything. Yeah, and that was that was in the beginning. I was wi- like wiping stuff. I had gloves on. from that day on. I was like, oh no, we weren't even really. I mean, we take nigga precautions in the hospital, and we put the patients that come in with certain disease processes or suspected disease process on the proper isolation precaution. Mm-hmm. But COVID was a different beast when it came to the hospital, and we were, to say the least, ill-prepared everywhere across the acute care setting, long-term step setting, everywhere was ill-prepared. So when it first came, like, what was like, oh, okay. I'm trying to taste so like. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me go, cause we gonna get there. Let me, okay. Let oh. me go there, yeah. Look, I'm trying to knock this door. So that go into the the next question. So okay. you can't pretty much answer it in this next question. That's um. So how did the conversations change, and what was the experience like when cases were first announced here? Right. So boom. I remember. Just like you remember where you were when Beyonce dropped her live video album. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where you were? We were in the drive through line at McDonald's. We, <laughs> yeah, I was in a car. I was like, this album is trash. Yes. Do you remember that? You did not like it at first, though. No. Oh um, just like you remember where you were when 911 happened. I remember where I was when we first got our first case of COVID in Chicago. I was, so prior to this previous position, I was working in marketing for long-term skilled nursing, mm-hmm. um, the Alden Company, actually. Mm-hmm. And I had the Lakeshore region, so the hospitals that I covered, mm-hmm. um, the University of Chicago, University of Illinois in Chicago, Northwestern Memorial, and Shirley Ryan in Bilibidar. And so I happened to be rounding at U of C, and on the seventh floor, which is their like waiting area and uh, where the cafe is and so on and so forth. And I was talking amongst my other friends that were marketers, but for different companies like mm-hmm. Kendrick, and, you, know, you know. And so the first case came and it hit this elementary school. And I can't believe, I don't remember if it was up north or over west, but it hit the elementary school. The elementary school shut down. From that day on, I was watching CNN every single day. I've never watched CNN that much in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was watching that every single day because from my knowledge of how viruses spread, it was nothing, it was not a big threat when it was in China. Soon as it hit the states, and more specifically Chicago, then it was something to, to, it drew my concern at that point in time. All right, so for our next question, um, what was the hospital like once we went into lockdown? Well, I wasn't working full-time at the bedside at that point in time, but as a vendor, I couldn't go into any of my hospitals. We had to work remotely, and so because we were working remotely, I took 
that advantage to go back to the bedside and pick up shifts because they were paying nurses like, you know, 80 to $100 an hour to come in and work. Mm -hmm. And even long-term care facilities were dishing out that kind of money as well as hospitals. So when I did go back to work registry in the hospitals, it was like nothing I've never, <clears throat> nothing I've ever seen before because they didn't have the proper PPE. We were reusing smocks, if you know what that smocks? is. So it's the jacket that you would put over your scrubs. Okay. They would have them hanging outside of patients' rooms, and that was the smock that you used as a gown for that right. shift. And prior to this, do understand the gowns we used were disposable. So after every use, after every time you went into that patient's room, you took that gown off, you threw it in the garbage can. Now we're hanging up the gowns and reusing them because we don't have enough to be throwing anything away. They're re they're rewashing them. And he so was very unprepared. Very unprepared. To the like I said, I actually remember and this is gonna sound nuts, I had to put on a patient's gown because the smock that I had for one shift had gotten feces on it. Mm. So granted we're in a a pandemic, but you still gotta take care of these patients. Right. Right? So we got a lot of incontinent patients and so I took care of a patient that was having frequent loose stools. And at the time, we did not know that the coronavirus was affecting the GI tract. That was not one of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, the first symptoms that came out were just like regular cold symptoms. Right. Then later on, we learned that it was affecting the GI tract mm -hmm. and people were having these loose frequent stools. And so needless to say, I, had, I couldn't use that smock anymore because it had fecal matter on it. And so I actually had to put on two patient gowns, one on the front and one on the back to make that yeah. my protection going into the patient's room. And my anxiety was so high, every time I went into a COVID room, as soon as the patient began to cough, I could feel my heart rate like go all the way up, <laughs> go all the way up. We reused N95s. They had this machine that they quote unquote used to sterilize them after every shift. So when you, re and if you are, are familiar with N95s, if you work in healthcare or even in construction, you have to be fitted for those. We go through a, te a fit test every year because say you gain weight or you lose weight or you grow a beard. Right, and it's not fit. It's not gonna fit the same, so it has to be a snug fit. Yeah. And you go through, the, the fit test is basically, you put the mask on and they put your head in like this helmet shield type of thing and they spray different aromas in there while you're maneuvering your head around up and down, twisting and turning. If you, at any point in time, you smell anything, then that mask is not a good fit for you. So when the coronavirus came, they were so short on PPE that we were using all kinds of quote unquote N95 masks that people was making and beauty, you know, beauty supply shops or Walmart, you couldn't just go buy N95 at those stores and all of a sudden these stores have them and everybody's wearing them, but it does it defeats the purpose if you can smell anything right. through them. Hmm. So that, that was probably the scariest thing. I wasn't... As far as if you dealing directly yeah. with it, you don't want to be... Exposed. You want to Right, I but want the right public, protection. Regular you want to at least have something. Something, so, right. yeah. And the public regular, sure, I want to at least have something because even now, 
even now I would want to at least have something because it's there's a lot that we've discovered about the coronavirus now to have come up with something to protect us from it but there's still a lot of unknowns to it and so although I, I'm the N95s that people are walking around with it's like cool I'm glad you got a mask on but it's that it's not this it's not the same and we go through you go through surveys every year with J. Cole or whatever your whoever it is that normally surveys you and the things that we were doing were obviously against regular infectious disease protocols. Mm-hmm. You would never come out of room out of an isolation room with the gown on. We mm-hmm. were walking around in them. Mm-hmm. You would never come out of a room and keep, you know, gloves and the same booties on. We were walking around in them. Mm-hmm. It got to a point in time where I was working at this one place. I picked up a PRN ship and I had to put on a hazmat suit. And every time I took it off, I had to spray it down and hang it up. And it had to hang there for at least five to ten minutes to dry. Yeah, I remember talking. I remember people talking about like they we short on PPE and like it just wasn't the systems wasn't in place because we are thinking that this not gonna really be able to happen. Like people not really when people don't think something gonna happen to them, they not really prepared for it. We were not prepared for it. Um, And I'm be honest, I learned later that under the Obama administration, we did have the funds and were quote-unquote prepared for it thin you know mm-hmm. but by the time this hit us we were under a different administrative administration and the monies had been taken Used away from this yeah. yes yeah, so I, I, I read that too we didn't have the the stuff that we needed for this and you know what i read somewhere that this was predicted and so that's why that was put into place and this is not the first pandemic that you know humans have seen and lived through but this has been a very lethal one Mm -hmm. you know i remember like i said i watched cnn so much when that first case hit the chicago i was watching every day i honestly i don't think i turned the tv from it and just to see the number of cases that were rising when we reached the hundred thousand mark right and now we've reached the six hundred thousand mark well over the six hundred thousand mark of fatalities from this one virus Mm -hmm. I think um, even more so just human behavior affected the way we went through this pandemic too. Mm-hmm. Like people don't want to be told what to do or follow these guidelines yeah. because they just, it's freedom this, freedom that. Freedom and, this. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> we trying to protect people mm-hmm. in general. And, yeah, I, and I, and I like, feel like, yeah. Back in the day, they used to, like, it, a part of it is the social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get, you have access to so many people's ideas. Like, even us talking on this platform, like, this is our viewpoint on what we think. Right. So, you have access to so many different people's um, feedback and what they think, what they believe. And people start to, that's what they go off of. That's their research, though. That's my problem. (laughs) That's the only problem I have with with today's age. You know, I learned how to carry out research. Mm -hmm. I learned the processes that it has to go through to even put out a research project or guidelines or protocol. You learned that in, like, where did, like, 
Well, you gotta you gotta write a paper. You gotta cite your resources. Yes, so people have learned, you learned this at a young age. But at, from a scientific right. standpoint, you yeah. have to go through a whole. You have to be approved through the IRB. Yeah. You know, you can't just put information out there and call it factual until it goes through these different processes. Right. And so, my beef with people <laughs> today is that. They're using these things, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with using your platforms to disseminate information that mm-hmm. you've taken the time to to research. research. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> <laughs> research. but to use a podcast or um, a, a, a breakfast interview or uh, a live, whatever, a, a live, tweet, a, tweet. a tweet, and call it. <laughs> And call it law, and call it fact, and right. ca- and then and then go about coming to your great grandmother's house talking about I did my research, grandma. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm my good. Research. We good. Yeah. Right. You, don't gotta, you only got to get that yeah. vaccine. You know, it, it's it's harmful, and, right. and the ignorance of it is actually very harmful. And you and it's it's sad when you know it does touch your home, and um, that's when you want to, you know take the necessary precautions that research has proven to increase your likelihood of surviving this. We're still living through it yeah. currently. Right. Yeah, that uh, that really bothered me too just because I always say, like, people can always say whatever, and, like, these people who say whatever got these platforms, like, they don't necessarily have any consequences mm-hmm. for the information they put out. So, no. like, they don't know who they affecting mm-hmm. when they do something. So somebody might hear what they say, go ahead do it they might die or do something that hurt their life and they're not gonna be held responsible nope. for it because it, how it's gonna be traced back to you it's you irresponsible just your freedom of speech you, <laughs> you claim yeah. it's, it's very, very especially if you have such a big following right mm-hmm. so when people have such a big platform and they have a big following and people do pay attention to those kinds of things. I'll be honest. I do watch. I am an avid Breakfast Club inter- Breakfast Club interview watcher mm-hmm. for my, you know, urban news and hip hop and culture, yeah. whatever the case may be. Because I'm not watching too much TV and I don't listen to every little art, every artist that come out. Yeah. And so, with that being as it may, you have to be more responsible using those kinds of platforms. I want to see people do this more because I did work with these patients and are still working with these patients. These patients are not, they're back in the hospital. I have a whole two COVID floors in the hospital that I work at. And you can bear, you can round on those units and you'll barely see the nurses because they're extremely busy with their patients. Those patients are very sick and they don't call you like on the call like, like most patients would because they're so sick. Right. They're really just laying there. You know, yeah. there's not much that they can do because they're just struggling to breathe. And that process is like none other. Like I said, we were doing things that were uh, contradictive to what I learned in my yeah. practice. If right. someone has difficulty breathing, we call it dyspnea. You put them in an orthopnic position, which is to be upright and lean over. We were putting these posi- these patients in a prone position. Yeah. Laying flat on their bellies. And that goes against yeah. any and everything that has anything to do with somebody experiencing respiratory distress. And 
it created a great deal of cognitive dissonance in my brain mm. because of the way I studied this. Right. You know what I mean? I studied this. I put it into practice. I've seen it work. But this particular disease process, if I have a patient with COVID and their O2 saturations are dropping and they go into the 70s and the 60s, I now have an order to prone them, and that puts them flat on their belly, and now all of a sudden their SpO2 comes up to 90? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I never seen it. And I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it. And that's what's really interesting to me, because how people trying to, that's not working in these fields or scientists or doctors and trying to Come tell these people they that they lying. Them. Or like, I would never challenge you mm-hmm. about that. Like, I might ask you questions. Sure. Because you, I feel like that's personally fine to ask people questions you about should. stuff. Because you, if you don't know, ask them questions. Ask but for you to be like, right? For it's you to study. be like, uh, no, that's not right. Right. This X, Y, and Z is right. I'm like, well, where you get that from? That's the part for me. All I want is for people to become informed using valid and reliable sources, and then utilize it and disseminate that information don't disseminate the information based off of what you think Mm -hmm. because you don't want to do something or you think it's silly i'm just as tired of wearing these masks and 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 going to get a COVID test every single time i feel a sniffle in my nose Mm -hmm. even though we're going through flu season and cold season and rsv season as we speak Mm -hmm. this is the season Mm -hmm. where all the other viruses like to wreck havoc so i i understand the fatigue but it's still not something to be careless about because again this this virus alone in the United States of America has taken out over 600,000 lives. That is a lot of people. Yeah, well, that's us. I just seen we, we passed 700,000 now. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Passed 700,000. It just bothered me because people just think that it's gone away. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. And you know what? You got the issue with the variant thing now, right? Okay, let me. I'm, I got that question coming. <laughs> okay, up, so me, cool. We we'll get to that one. Uh, let me get to my next. The next question then. Okay, so I remember initially, like, um, when first when the first COVID first came out, they were kind of thinking like, you know, as far as the vaccine that it was going might take a while uh, to kind of get a vaccine, just kind of how the normal process works and just the all the behind the scenes stuff like getting funded um getting participants uh, all that kind of play into it rather than mm-hmm. you know the safety of something so usually when in the vaccine process they kind of can get through the safety as long as they get the participants and money mm-hmm. it usually don't take a long time mm-hmm. it's really just the paperwork mm-hmm. and all that stuff so mm-hmm. when they first announced that they was having a vaccine coming out I believe it was like around November, sure. the fall time of last year. What was your initial thoughts about the vaccine? Um, no, I'm not gonna lie to you because I don't do that. Yeah, I want you to be. I want you to be. <laughs> that's what I'm asking. I want you to be honest because my I'm gonna initial be thoughts. Too. I shared skepticism, like my like the majority shared skepticism. 
Um, and you're right. It, there's a lot of processes that vaccines have to go through. And yes, the safety was the biggest thing that I think everybody's concern was and still is. Yeah. Um, but it is the money at the end of the day that is the driving force to be able to get the workers that you need to put in the laboratories, have the research research done that you need, and the people to actually produce it and put it out there. So my that was my initial reaction. And... <clears throat> I did my my own research <laughs> and I began to read these different studies and how they were going about you know testing them and they were actually looking for volunteers groups of, of, of individuals that would you know nonetheless be a part of these study groups to test the safety and the effectiveness of the virus once I got over that I have an autoimmune disorder called Graves disease and so <clears throat> I knew in the back of my mind that I need to do something because I am already in an immune compromised state mm -hmm. so I get blood work done every other week now mm -hmm. and so at the time when I was thinking about it my doctor whom I no longer go to I fired her <laughs> but at the time <laughs> at the time I was talking to her and I was discussing uh, the vaccine and um I wanted, to, she told me that she wanted me to wait until my, um, to see whether or not a certain medication that I was taking was going to be effective and my white blood cell count would come up a little bit more. So, um, we talked about that and I got the blood work and it did come up or whatever, but I still was nervous because I didn't know, not necessarily afraid of the safety and effectiveness of it, but I didn't know how it was going to affect me, right. being that I was newly diagnosed with Graves' disease. Mm -hmm. But those are my initial thoughts. And I think that's uh, important also what you said, too, about how you can get rid of your doctor if yeah. you don't agree with stuff they're saying. Like, you can get another opinion <laughs> from another doctor you or you can go see somebody else. I always empower my patients to do that. Um, if you don't, if you didn't know or don't know, I'll tell you now. Nurses are the most trusted group amongst the multidisciplinary team at Allied Healthcare. Our patients tell us everything before they tell their physicians, mm -hmm. and so I use that ability to let them know that this is your health, this is your body, and if you feel like somebody is not showing up for you in the way that you need them to show up for you, um, then I suggest that you get another one. I had an endocrinologist, a cardiologist, and an internal medicine doctor that I got rid of. I got a whole other team of doctors, and they're doing a beautiful job right now because I told them that I got rid of my other team, and you can be next. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's, and that's, that's very important because I feel like people have a negative ex experience with medical professionals, sure. and that turn them off from... The, ever seeking help yeah, yeah and they they think everybody evil like, yeah i'm not going to the doctor no more yeah. how, that, how you say you had one bad experience and now you just oh, i don't mess with the doctor yeah i don't go to the doctor until yeah. you until you have stage three or four of yeah. a, a some sort of carcinoma mm -hmm. and now it you've in a position where it's going to be even harder to treat but you couldn't you putting yourself in a position where you going to be taken to anybody Mm -hmm. Now you really don't know who right. this person you don't got no is. Choice. You haven't done your research you could, to find a good doctor. And you could have shopped around. Yeah. I definitely shopped around. I um, 
shout out to Dr. Nakawa. <laughs> I shopped shout around <laughs> for my current primary care physician because um, I, you know, when I, I felt like crap all of 2020 and not, you know, forget the fact that we're going through this pandemic. And I did actually get sick with the virus, but forget the fact that we're going through this pandemic. My body is doing something outside of of this pandemic, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I was feeling crummy for a whole year, and I had been misdiagnosed three times. And it took um, me to actually, you know, rah-rah a little bit, and I hate to say that, to get the things that I needed. Right. And as I do... I do say that if you are somebody that does not work in allied healthcare, know somebody, then you know, get to know somebody, ask those questions that you may not know so that or have those people come with you to your appointments so that you can understand what's being said to you in those appointments because I know, you know, doctors and nurses alike were very busy and sometimes it is an in and out interaction, but you're still the most important person in the room as the patient and you should be the most informed at the end of the day as to what's going on with you. So you have to advocate for yourself and you have to make some noise. And because I have the knowledge that I have, I was able to let this particular doctor know that this is what I needed to have done so I could be rest assured what was happening with my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would um, kind of touching on that too um, with our opinions, you know, about like the vaccine and stuff. Like t- to my knowledge, like when a when a doctor is doing like diagnosis and stuff, they not initially going in there and be like, "We just gonna run this test." Like, you would you have to meet certain criteria sometimes for people to suggest that they should do this? Yes, I do that mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so and then on your behalf, you would have to be like, "Well, no, please let me do this or let me do that." Like, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna go to somebody else who. Yeah. Yeah. do it like you do have to advocate for that because the doctor not necessarily trying to treat you bogus I feel like sometimes I think it's just you not Being they doing their job yeah. and how they know how to do their job yeah. and you do you do know your body best that is the best way to say that so in western medicine there's a lot of cookie cutter medicine mm-hmm. um, and I'm just going to self disclose a little bit because I think it's going to be helpful I was diagnosed with grave disease at the end of last year mm-hmm. And Graves' disease is an autoimmune disorder where my body creates antibodies that attack my thyroid gland, and it makes my thyroid hyperactive. So at the end of last year, I learned that I had three nodules on my thyroid. They did an aspiration biopsy. Nothing was cancerous, but it did, in fact, um, I did test for the antibodies of Graves' disease. And so because it makes me have the hyperactive thyroid, my doctor wanted to treat me like anybody else that had uh, hyperthyroidism. And you can have hyperthyroidism separate from, from Graves. Yes, yeah. from Graves' disease. Graves' disease is an autoimmune disorder that, cre- that nonetheless creates antibodies. It creates antibodies that attacks your thyroid and makes it overactive. So treating me as if I'm somebody that just come that just has an overactive thyroid does not fix the root of my issue. And granted, autoimmune disorders are very finicky and they're difficult to pinpoint the root cause of it. Mm-hmm. I did want somebody that was going to better manage the symptoms that I was experiencing. 
as well as give me a little bit more in-depth testing as to what could have potentially provoked this because just in 2019 all of my lab work was fine you know and so to you know go to a doctor a year later because i do go to the doctor regularly and find that something's wrong that was um, a difficult pill to swallow and that i'm a pretty healthy person so yes you're right and cookie western medicine is cookie cutter medicine but if you feel that when you go to the doctor, things that they're doing for you are not beneficial for you, or you don't believe that you know, they're showing enough empathy to the situation, or they're treating you like everybody else, I absolutely encourage you and advocate you to find another physician that is gonna be willing to work with you and make that experience more pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not pleasant to go to the doctor every week at the time, it was every week. Now it's every other week mm. to go get blood drawn, tons of tubes drawn, and mm-hmm. still not have definitive answers. So I I always encourage my family and friends to make noise when they go to the doctor because mm. nobody nobody's going to you know care about you as much as you. And uh, and the reason I bring that up too, uh, before I get into my next question, it's just like when you come to the vaccine, people are like you know my body. My choice, like I know my body, I know I am, I can beat COVID, all this type of stuff. Sure. When it comes to the vaccines, they kind of they look at it as a population whole type of thing. Yeah, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the five G towers and that taking people out, and you know your cell phones are controlling you more than this mm-hmm. vaccine is. Cell phone can hear any and everything that you say, and so when you're browsing on your social media, that what you were just talking about pops up on your feed, you right. know. But you don't question the cell phone companies or Apple, right. you know. But yeah, that's well, another just, story. And, no, wait, just I wasn't. Well, did you, I didn't say <laughs> I wasn't saying population control. Oh, I thought right. that's what so you, you said. Was, that, so now people do say that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get in that because that's just some wild stuff. It's like silly. obviously that's not. <laughs> What's going on? I was saying that when they develop them, is they doing it for the population as a whole? Oh, that's yeah. what I was saying as a whole. So they not saying yes individually. Somebody might not be able to take this vaccine, yes. or they might have a certain condition that where they can't yeah. take it. But mm-hmm. for the majority of people, this is acceptable through the trial <laughs> that we did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Like this for the population, but. You still, if you have concerns, you still should consult with your primary care physician. Absolutely. Right. And they the ones that know you best. They know you. A lot right. of people don't even have primary physicians. They so do not. Have you, you, hit the, you hit the nail on here, though. A lot of people, I've taken care of several people just in this last week that told me that they do not have primary care physicians. So that means that you aren't having annual checkup, checkups done. If I didn't go to the doctor as regularly as I went to the doctor prior to this happening to me, I would have never known that, you know, I was now battling a new autoimmune disorder. It came from blood work coming back and more testing that had to happen. So, yeah, it's terrible. And I just want to thank you for being brave to share that with us. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously I know it. I'm sure it's kind of a relief too to like kind of release that out but thank you for um, absolutely 
that's allowing people to feel somebody might be dealing with that right now. Right. And I do believe that self-disclosure is helpful. Yeah. I, I think that's important as well, too, especially when we talk um, and we just want people to be healthy. Like, we want just because you doing something good and you feel like you are healthy and you don't need this and don't need that don't mean that what you do don't help mm-hmm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or it don't, like, you can be perfectly fine one year yeah. and then the right. next and the year. Right, in the next year. Something might happen. Some, yeah. Something happens, right. And, uh, I mean, you obviously can't pick your family, so you are going to be genetically predisposed right. to, you know, get certain diseases, um, and you should be made aware of that. You should know about your family history so that you know what it is that is running in your DNA and, and make sure that you're being, you know, proactive and taking the certain preventative measures, whether it's heart disease, diabetes, you know, uh, hypertension, oh, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, honestly, if we're being quite really frank, just being black is a risk factor for most disease processes. Mm-hmm. So we really need to, you know, get a better hold onto our health and, and making sure we do have primary care physicians that we see regularly. And women, you know, having, you know, regular checkup, health and wellness checkups for you specifically is going to be different. Mm-hmm obviously than a man but you should be going to the doctor regularly so that you everything is functioning the way it's supposed to be functioning if it isn't you know about it right and um also too before we get into the next question i know i keep saying that but like this bring up the conversation of like how people always be like oh you just need to eat healthy or Mm -hmm. you need to do this and you need to do that Mm -hmm. and like just like saying like I know, I know your routine. I know mm-hmm. you work all the time. Mm-hmm. You eat good mm-hmm. and healthy, but some still can possibly happen. Yeah, because some like like some people can be born with certain mm-hmm. things. Like they they didn't do nothing but be born mm-hmm. and born with something. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily all about like it's, you definitely want to eat healthy because eating healthy can prevent yep. certain things. And preserve you. And preserve sure. you and help you live better. Mm-hmm. But that's still not going to stop <laughs> something from happening it's to you. not. No, it isn't. I've taken care of healthy people. Healthy people in their 20s and their 30s with COVID-19. And um, some of those people, unfortunately, did not make it to see another day. So it's a real thing. And everybody doesn't make the news. So that's something to be cautious of, too. I know we... You go to the news and get the certain information. You think that, you know, your kids are safe or, you know, you safe doing whatever it is that you're doing. But nobody, this virus is playing very fair. It's affecting any and everybody of all age groups. Your cats and dogs aren't even safe. For real. Yeah. And and just, like, we definitely want to promote people eating healthy and, exercise and all that because we do all that everybody here on this podcast do yeah, that yeah for sure and it's very you know it's very important um but if you get you go to the emergency room they're not giving you uh, kale and yeah, they and elderberry <laughs> to save you they gonna give you they trying to do whatever they can do to keep you alive at that point if you got to go to that point yeah now you know a lot of people not getting to that point but we don't we don't even want a little bit of people getting to that yeah, point because the hospitals are, are it's not enough them. it's not enough and ill prepared <laughs> so 
Well, they're better prepared now. I'm than talking about the yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the beginning, like yeah. And but I, and but what I was finna say was like I remember like remember when we was doing the whole vegan and vegetarian thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's a healthy route lifestyle we was going to. Mm-hmm. Even then, what's what's that was pro- was people a problem when they don't know something, mm-hmm. they fear it or they skeptical about it because they don't have enough information. But I remember going through this process, and I th- and I'm glad I'm glad I can just say this on the podcast now. And I remember people like, oh well, how you gonna get your protein? Yeah. Well, how you gonna eat this? Don't you wanna eat that? Well, mm-hmm. well that's crazy. You gonna eat no meat because that's what you did all your life was mm-hmm. eat that. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. But I found something else that we can possibly try. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, I, I still eat meat now, but I'm, I've found, been able to find meals that I can eat that don't have meat in and still yeah. good, like something I discovered. And yeah, of course, you want to look up stuff and research about it, but just that was a healthy thing and people was criticizing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So always people don't things. really care about health and all that stuff it's really just you don't it's something you don't like yeah and you're not it's used not, to you're not familiar, you're not you don't familiar want to change. you're scared about yeah 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 because yeah, definitely because people they always make jokes about me like oh you eat this you don't want what you just want some celery or something mm-hmm. like i'm like no nah, like i eat <laughs> other stuff but right. i mean i feel it like. just take people a while to to kind of adjust to new things and new ways to doing things period if they're open to it yeah. they have to have that you have to be open-minded, open-minded about those kinds of things even when i was diagnosed i was trying to i was reading a book by this author who was diagnosed with graves disease and he was being treated the same way as i was in the beginning and he changed his diet drastically and so I tried to go down that same route, like not eat any dairy products. And um, I was it wasn't like vegetarian, but I was trying to eat more gluten-free snacks and mm-hmm. that, you know. And I honestly, I didn't notice a difference. I went to a naturopathic doctor, started taking herbal remedies, and that actually worked. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't. Right. <laughs> and so at one, I had to give in. When it I gave like in. Long term. Right, it didn't work long term. It only helped like I feel like my symptoms for maybe like two and a half months. And what made me give in is that I do work out regularly, four to five times a week, and my heart rate was shooting up to like the two hundreds. And I knew it wasn't, um, you know that that wasn't safe for it to be up there like that for me just jogging. Yeah. Um, and I would go to sleep, and my heart rate would shoot up to like the one twenties in my sleep. And so at that point in time. Because of the knowledge that I have about the cardiovascular system, I went ahead and fired my team of doctors, got a whole nother team of doctors so I can manage that. <clears throat> but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. People are very skeptical and fearful of things that are different from what is considered their norm. So just research it. <laughs> and not I on would. Instagram. Yeah, not on Instagram. <laughs> or a meme. Yeah. Or a meme. You can def- I absolutely encourage research. I spend half of my week at work doing that. That's my job. I anytime something is going on with me, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna schedule a doctor's appointment. Hell yeah. For one, like okay, so because they gonna be able to pre- the doctor is there 
to guide you mm-hmm. onto what the next steps right. could possibly be. And you you need to bring up the you stuff, need to yeah. bring you need to already come to the doctor's appointments. When I go to my doctor's appointments, even with me having my daughter now, I already then look up. Hey, I already you know you what already you're about to say. I'm like, look, um, <laughs> so this is this. This is what I want. You write the prescription for it. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah, like, it. you my gateway to get into whatever I need. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't stand you. You the type of patients, doctors, they really can't stand me. No, they really can't. <laughs> I, I'm sure you know, they like, oh, okay. They really can't stand me. They'll, they'll ask you, like, are you, are you a nurse? Yeah. So, like I was saying, I mean, because <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. right. they will try to. I mean, you and speak. Going back to what you're saying, like do- doctors, um, you said sometimes it can be an in and out thing, yeah. which is fine, because some people do just need that in and out, but it doesn't always have to be like that. And if you have, I every doctor appointment I've been to, they gotta ask me before they leave out. And I don't know if this is in a protocol or what they want to say. What question do you have any questions? Right. Yes, exactly. That is, you you're supposed right. to do your research. You don't have no questions if you ain't done no research. That's real. And they're going to walk out. That's right. real. That, that 10 minutes can easily day. turn to 20 or 30 minutes for you to get all the information you need. Right. You do come in prepared. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that I'm very happy that you do that yes. for yourself. And my sweet baby Coda. And that's that that's a, a very important message we need to put out because I say that all the time. Like, you do need to ask some questions because they got fifty other patients that they, they and they see. really do. That's not exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. Doctors see hundreds of patients in a day. An eight hour day or a twelve hour day can easily see hundreds of patients. Those patients can be seen between five to ten minutes. Yeah. Or longer. Or longer if you if, prepare. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta prepare for these doctors' appointments, and, and and not just. I know um, my mom. She does a little bit. She has done a little bit in the healthcare profession, but she always told me like, whenever you having some symptoms, that's write it down and yes. take it to your appointment because yes. you don't remember everything. You get to the appointment like, dang, yeah, yeah, I ain't even had that. And it's not a bad too. idea yeah. to keep a, a track of dates and times with those symptoms too. Mm-hmm. And I only know that because I was experiencing the transient spikes in my heart rate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, my next question, since we kind of talked about, you know, how we felt about the vaccine, and I was, I don't think I said it, but I was hesitant and everything too um, before I kind of read through everything and just kind of looked up seen like the real scientific articles and all that and listen to you know doctors and scientists talk uh, it eased my hesitancy and I was able to make the decision to uh, go get vaccinated um, I was I had to wait um, you know until it was my turn um, <laughs> I ain't had no resistance conditions and all that stuff um, so I was uh, I didn't get vaccinated until uh, first I was able to get it in April and That's I was the end. March. March. Okay. So, with that question, I was just, uh, I was going to ask, are you vaccinated? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I got uh, vaccinated. And when did you get vaccinated? What you said was March. I got my first shot in March. And again, I had to um, 
have some blood work done. We wanted my white count to be above four. And so it was um, like 4.5. And so I went to go get, which is still, again, fairly on the low side, but I am in an immunocompromised state. So um, when I got vaccinated, it, and I don't know if it's going to be beneficial to you. No, no, I, want, I was going to ask you about your experiences because I know. Yeah. Uh, right. For me, let me start with something good. Everybody in my house was vaccinated before me. Mm-hmm. So both of my parents, my nephew, my grandmother, everybody was vaccinated before me and they had no symptoms. They had no reaction to it. My dad complained of a little bit of back pain, which was on a more atypical side, but everybody was fine. When I got it, (laughs) it was a progressive decline over a course of five days. Mm -hmm. So Monday, I had like a really bad sore throat my nose was really stuffy and con- congested. The next day, that was emphasized with some sneezing and coughing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, which is Wednesday now, I began to feel that onset of fatigue. Mm-hmm. Thursday, I worked from bed. <laughs> I worked from bed, and I was experiencing chills all day, so I felt like I was sick. I was sick. I was taking night quill and day quill because I was working from home at the time. Um, And I did not have uh, any shifts that I was working at the bedside that week. So I was working at home at the time. And Thursday, I worked from bed. Friday, I called off. I do not call off from work. I do not call off from work. I go to work. But that particular day, it was everything. The sore throat, the congestion, the coughing, the sneezing, the chills with the sweats. It was real... It was real. Uh, everything they said. You everything <laughs> with outside of the GI symptoms, but I was sick and all I did was slept that day. And I took medicine around the clock for the symptoms and came Saturday morning. I was fine. I went to the gym. Right. And um, and the, and a lot of stuff like we just mentioned, like what stuff they listed as like possibly yeah side effects, except for the you said the GI. Thing. And, I, and I want people to know that too because sometimes people are like, well, they, how come they don't list the side effects? Or they don't talk about <laughs> side I'm like, when you get your shot, everything is listed mm-hmm. right there. They go through it with you. And, and you if have they to don't, sit there. Right. If they don't go through it with you, you should ask. Because, like, again, you your own advocate as well. Mm-hmm. The but, second shot wasn't ba- that. Mm, I just had a bunch of swollen lymph nodes right. in my, like, collarbone area. Yeah. And, uh, Everybody different. Everybody like it's right. everybody. You just how if you have allergic reaction mm-hmm. to I don't know you allergic to shellfish or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I could be allergic to shellfish too, but I probably don't have the same reaction. Either. Maybe right. Maybe, you can take a Benadryl and go get you yeah. some crap. And maybe yeah. I'm in the hospital when I have it. <laughs> like you know what I mean. You never know. Right. So you definitely have to know the side effects and know how and know the potential of how it's gonna affect yeah you. and i knew that's why we said you know before i got vaccinated we wanted my white count to be up right. because i at that point in time i am on the lower end but i still wanted to be prepared for this fight that my body was about to do mm-hmm. that is what vaccines do right you get exposed to the antigen so that your body can create the antibodies once you're exposed to it. 
and it doesn't, you know. What about the art? What do you? What are your we thoughts? We don't. Like, we don't. Um, we don't talk about like the. Okay. We'll sorry. Yeah. The what but, is it? What's what's it called? The R what? That's in this particular vaccine. Uh, mRNA. Yes. What are your thoughts on on that? What are my thoughts on it? Like the protein of it? Or? People are like, oh, they ain't never been in no vaccine uh, prior to this one, and it's different. They have all kind of theories on it's different. What that does so to your body. this is a different vaccine. In the past, we would put like um, the actual antigen inside of the body. Mm. This is more. This was the, what we used to make the vaccine is taken from the protein of it, okay? And so that creates a derivative we put inside of the vaccine. We put that inside of the body. There is going to be, listen, when I got sick, I felt like crap, but I was happy. And let me explain why. Mm -hmm. Because that means that the vaccine is effective. <laughs> it's doing what it's supposed to do. Now, granted, I didn't put up the same fight as as my parents and my nephew did because they don't have the same, same thing as me going on inside of here. But I was you. happy because my body was my body and its immunocompromised state was putting up the fight that I wanted it to put up. So when that thing, because it's a novel virus, we all are going to be exposed to it at some point mm -hmm. in time. Exactly. When I get exposed to it, my body is going to be prepared for that fight. Right. So I don't have to worry about laying in a hospital bed and and dying from this vac this this uh this disease because I have already exposed my body to the protein derivative of this this virus nonetheless. And right. bugs are smart. Bugs are smart. And we, I know we were gonna talk about that, so I'll, I'm not jump gonna jump the gun. Yeah, and I that's and I'll gonna say too like rather. Like getting a vaccine or whether you get infected, that's that's all that's it. natural immunity. It's still the natural immunity because mm -hmm. it's your body creating an immune response yep. to the either the vaccine or the actual virus. And everyone's body's gonna create that immune response. Right. Mine was just a little bit more apparent because of a certain that my current disease state okay so i have this thing that always makes me a little bit more vulnerable than others so even though my grandmother is in her late 80s she didn't experience what i experienced but she also doesn't have autoimmune disorder yeah and then people what i want to just touch on real quick is people saying oh like okay so you had those symptoms and you know that that it could have possibly affected you because of the your autoimmune disease mm -hmm. that you have People are complaining, and I'm saying complaining, which I probably should use a different word, <laughs> but they are complaining about the symptoms, and very valid symptoms. I'm not downplaying nobody's yeah. symptoms that they've had, because I had symptoms after taking the vaccine. Sure. But you don't know your body. <laughs> when the last time you went to the doctor to even figure out why, you know what I mean, uh -huh. you could possibly be having these reactions mm -hmm. to this vaccine. Right. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's real. And and like and like I said, like you should have some type of reaction to know that. To know that it's effective. Right. Right. Even if it's so a little sniffle. Yeah. Because you know? I was most of the thing with me was I was fatigued. Like I, I sure, fatigued most people I, felt that. Or had to lay down. Mm -hmm. And even before that, I even got it. The lady was like, "You probably gonna be sleep." Like 
Most that, people felt safe. You saying that they hiding something and they telling you what's gonna happen? <laughs> that's what's about to happen. Uh huh. So they like this is a secret. Yeah. Like no, most I was people, ready. I was prepared for were, that. Were, my peers, they had gotten it before me, were working that day, and they were complaining of just tiredness. They just mm-hmm. was really sleepy. It was a long day, and they wanted to go lay down. Mine actually felt like I had it. And so um, besides the respiratory distress, I didn't – that wasn't a part of that. I had COVID last year, and oh, I did experience respiratory so what, distress. Yeah. So what was the difference? Yeah, so – that was the main difference from you actually. And when I had it, I had the GI symptoms, but this was before it was known that you could have them. So okay. I was afraid to eat because everything would just come out in one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a, and um, to like uh, this conversation about like, you know, getting the vaccine or naturally getting an infection. It's like, from your experience, from getting the actual infection yep. and getting the vaccine, mm-hmm. which one would you rather have? Oh, the vaccine. <laughs> the because, vaccine. And I and I asked that question because people were like, "Well, I'd rather get infected." But like we had a conversation earlier about, which I I wanted to say oh. to the podcast okay. because I've I've read this and I heard doctors speak about this about when you actually get infected with COVID, of course. A lot of people have recovered from the infection. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of people who still got long lasting mm-hmm. symptoms mm-hmm. from uh, getting COVID, which they call long COVID. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know how the virus is going to attack you because it's attacking so many parts. It attacks so body. many parts, yes. that That's what makes it complex. That's what makes it different from RSV. That's what makes it different from the flu. That's what makes it different from... The cold because this particular virus caused a significant auto inflammatory response inside of your body and so there are the simple the simple way I can explain that when you go outside as a little kid and you ride your bike you fall off your bike you scrape your knee <laughs> okay immediately there is a response in your body where you have these different white blood cells, members of the white blood cells, macrophages, cytokines, everything's coming here to heal this. You have broken a barrier, we have to heal it. That's where the scab comes from, okay? And so when this, you know, foreign body, COVID-19, enters inside of your body, your body immediately reacts. Mm. And it's reacting, attempting to heal itself. That's what it's trying to do. But it's going into overload. And in doing so, it's a it's a war. And in a lot of cases, your body loses. Yeah. <laughs> and now you have a multitude of issues. You have now you have pulmonary infiltrates in both of your lungs. You have difficulty breathing. Now you have difficulty breathing and you're not perfusing other organs of your body. So they begin to fail. Okay. So now you aren't putting out as much urine anymore because your kidneys aren't getting the adequate amount of oxygen that they need to operate. Now you need dialysis. Okay. So it's, uh, 
And that's worst case scenario, but that's what we're seeing. Right. It's a grand deal of cytokines trying to fix this body. Homeostatic regulation is off. Right. It's not there anymore, and it's trying to figure it out. And unfortunately, because you didn't have the exposure to it, these are the patients. The patients we are seeing that are dying, if you don't get nothing else from this, are the patients that are unvaccinated. And aren't the patients, the patients come in, because you can very well get this virus being vaccinated, right. and you can give it to somebody. Yeah. But it won't kill you. Right. The patients that are dying are the patients that are unvaccinated. And that's the proof in the pudding mm-hmm. in itself. Right. So any skepticism that I had, that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all I needed to see. I read my research. I took the shots. Mm-hmm. But now being... On the other side of the pandemic where we do have a recourse, because before we didn't, now we have something out there. And the people that we're seeing that are unfortunately losing their battle to COVID are those that are unvaccinated. I lost my cousin to COVID. He was unvaccinated. Mm. And so it's it's one of those things where, I mean, for my family, that should have been a wake-up call in itself for those individuals that aren't vaccinated but that's all I needed to see I work with it and all I needed to see was oh and you know what you don't even know what it is that you need until you get it right right yeah no for sure so I had done all my research I had already been given what I felt people needed to hear and if people asked or inquired I would answer not as formal as this Mm -hmm. but that's that's the one thing I leave with now well, the people in the hospital that are dying from COVID-19 aren't vaccinated. Mm. The people that are vaccinated, we're sending them home to the Rocky theme song. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, I, um, and, and even just us going through that, and I wanted you to talk about drug experience after mm-hmm. you got it because I'm a very balanced person. And yeah. like, I want you to have your perspective, you to have your perspective. I want anybody believes to be heard I want all that you know I won't have a conversation like people even get mad at me because you I might not I might agree with you on what you on your topic but I'm also gonna bring up the fact or uh, somebody else perspective mm-hmm. too like I'm gonna bring that up because I want you to think about mm-hmm. how somebody else is gonna take that situation sure like um being you know, sick with COVID was miserable I was sick for three weeks so when the vaccine put me down for five days, I said, yeah. Saturday morning came, I went to the gym. Yeah. I was sick for three weeks. I couldn't keep any food inside of me. I couldn't breathe, sleeping on my back. I had to sleep either on my side or on my stomach. I coughed up a lung every night. I ran a temperature as high as 102 to 103, and I was isolated. It was just me and my boyfriend at the time inside of my apartment. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I get the... I get a cold or a flu once a year. This one, nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, people love to compare it. This one, right. nothing like that. <laughs> and all I had energy yeah. to do was go to the bathroom. That's it. I barely wanted to eat. And he stayed with me that entire time, and he never got sick. Yeah. That's so. the, and that's what's, you know, interesting about it. Like, people are like, well... Wow, I was I got exposed, blah blah blah. I ain't get sick, blah, blah. Like, what 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 does that mean? <laughs> does that mean that nobody else is gonna get sick that because mean, they go around? Somebody? Right, because they can. You could still be now. He 
stayed with me and he didn't get sick, but he did test positive. We quarantined together. And so he couldn't be around his family because even though he wasn't sick or symptomatic, he did test positive for it and you can very well give it to somebody, somebody else. else. Because you And you won't know you have it because he was just fine. <laughs> and and then so I know when people listen they're gonna be like, Well, people who are vaccinated still gonna can you know, get it and give it to somebody else. But from what I've read and researched is even though you still if even if you still get it, first of all, you're less likely to even Yes, the probability right. absolutely decreases when you have been vaccinated. You won't the probability of you getting the, the virus is lower than if you were unvaccinated. That's true. Okay. Second thing, it stays in your body at less time, right? Mm-hmm. So you it might only it's gonna stay in a shorter time, so it's less likely for you to go around spreading to people if you the short your day shortens. That is true. The duration of it being inside of you is lessened as well. Mm-hmm. And then that also will decrease uh, mutations, right? Because if, if a virus is sitting in your body at a long time, bingo. And so the different <laughs> variants that we have now is because we didn't mandate the vaccine. Right. Had we mandated the vaccine when the vaccine came out and got everybody vaccinated, we wouldn't have all of the different variants. The variants came from a mix of people having have been vaccinated and those that are not vaccinated. And that's where those variants come from, unfortunately. Right. So that kind of going to my next question was just like, how was it different when the Delta variant was starting to take the prominent variant amongst like COVID. Like how did things change for people? Was it more people you seen like it feel like coming or just like it was just like it was going down and then just like It was a surge. There was a surge and I actually thought we were gonna go back into lockdown in this last quarter. So I'm happy to learn that we didn't and our cases did actually decrease in this past couple of weeks. Um there was a surge with the Delta variant. It obviously was a more aggressive one, but you are protected against the Delta variant with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. The only variant that is out that research is suggesting the vaccine is not protective against is the new variant. Yeah, I read that. And that, again, <laughs> we wouldn't have a new variant if everybody was already vaccinated. Right. That, that's that's kind of where and I again I'm I'm one of those people that also appreciate different perspectives and views on things um, we just get all the facts you know I had to get all the facts and I was vaccinated before my cousin died and um, at that point in time, sitting with it and grieving even still i'm glad i made the decision that i made and though i didn't have he had diabetes mm-hmm. and i think that's essentially what killed him with you know along with COVID being in his body but um i'm i'm not what i thought i was after i learned that i have this this other underlying disease so i'm glad i got vaccinated because I can get it now if I were to get it I do still feel confident that my body would be able to fight it just like it 
as before. But we we run into the multitude of variants because you bugs are smart. They learn how to to mutate and um, essentially manipulate the situation. <laughs> and that's where you got the gamma delta mu, you know, different variants from because you still have people out there that are unvaccinated. Yeah. And and like I said, like I'm definitely for people right to choose. And, and my biggest thing is that as long as they just have the correct information and not making a choice based off something false yeah. because that's I feel like that's more harmful than it you is. not being vaccinated it is so much more harmful because you telling people this right. information yeah. and they mm-hmm. look at you like uh, he always knows what he's talking mm-hmm. about right. <laughs> I'm not going to do my own separate information mm-hmm. you know research and find my own information mm-mm he knows what he's Dakota knows what he's talking about. I'm just gonna take what he says as law, um, and that very well. Like you, it's one thing to supplement your research with somebody you deem to be a reliable source of information, and it's one thing to just solely believe a person who does not deal with the science behind the scenes. That's the only that's the only hiccup I have. Hmm. I'm not tripping about people not being vaccinated. Right. You still got people that won't vaccinate their kids for the stuff that's been out there forever. Mm-hmm. Diphtheria, tetanus, mm-hmm. chicken pox, measles, mm-hmm. <laughs> mumps, rubella, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> you got the people, those people, they sending their kids to daycare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you got people like ourselves who have those childhood vaccinations already mm-hmm. they're just like us okay mm-hmm. but they won't get this one mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the same thing yeah. you you had we we defeated the, the measles and mumps came back recently recently actually yeah. but MMR we aren't seeing that anymore polio <laughs> yeah. we're not this is the new plague yeah so what did we do with other plagues? We used the science to come up with the vaccine so that we can nonetheless preserve mankind because it's wiping people out. Right. Right. And that's ultimately the thing like that I I think about. And I was like, it's, it, it might be long before I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I might be gone. But it's like, if people continue to have this mindset, it's going to be something that comes. Mm-hmm. Like, Previously, like we had back in history, that was wiping a bunch of people out, mm-hmm. and our kids and people we love that's growing up now gonna suffer. Mm-hmm. Then, like, if your kid, when your kids, if your, something happened, a disease coming, your kids gonna wipe out. You're not gonna be talking about some my body, my choice. You're right. gonna be doing whatever you can Absolutely. to protect your child. And now that patient, that same person, is being hospitalized, yes. right? And now you want all the treatment under the sun for it. It's better, like I tell my patients who have pain, right? I said, it's better for me. I'll go in the room and I'll say, hey, I have your pain medicine. And they say, well, my pain's not that bad. I say, well, rate it for me, zero to ten. Zero's no pain, ten's the worst. They say, well, it's about a four. I said, well, I'd rather give you this pain medicine and prevent it from getting worse then chase that pain when you mm. get to a nine or a ten. Right. It's the same for those people who refuse to get vaccinated, come into the hospital, and now they're really and truly lying on their deathbed, and them and their families are wanting you to do everything under the sun. Mm. 
and I'm very proud of my hospital system. Methodist Hospital does a great job at handling their COVID patients. We are using the research and we are using the treatments and we are actually getting these patients discharged. Now they may be going home with oxygen, but they are being discharged and they are being discharged in a stable state. Mm-hmm. And with those people, that's the people that come up in there and they want you to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. So if you want me to give you all these drugs coming from my pharmacy, what what's the difference from you having gotten the vaccination? Right. Yeah. That you and the drugs that you don't even think twice to even. You don't read, even think about it. Read the labels that even come with it. <laughs> you don't even think about You're it. Just like I'm gonna just take this because my doctor told me to take it. Yep. Was you questioning the vaccine? Yep. That's the, and the drug that you take in, whatever got the same side effects. Yeah. And or worse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Or worse, that's just had that same energy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, uh, Joy, I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate um, you. Thanks, y'all. I just, this is love. <laughs> I really uh, wanted to do this because I just, you know, I really advocate for people to get vaccinated. And I, I definitely have encouraged people to do it that made the choice to go get vaccinated. Even people who got vaccinated didn't say nothing, but. I just want to put that information out. If you read my information or you talk to me and I get you code over there trying to get in the podcast. But if you just get that information and you and, and that help change your mind, I'm a, I'm a always help get you answer questions if I feel like I've read something that you got a question about. But I'm always going to tell people to go talk to their doctor if they have one. If they don't, get one. try to, you know, go get checkups get and all one. that. Um and just advocating for health, and I'm always gonna advocate for people to exercise, eat good, for sure. and all that stuff because I've been doing that forever. But <laughs> right now, is we in a pandemic, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to. I'm not telling people not to eat healthy. I'm just telling people this is the way that's out. Your, that's your recourse. It's that's the way out. And le- unless somebody can come and show us another way out, then I'm down. I'm really down for it. They can say, they can say, oh, we didn't discover X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I but oh forget the vaccine. If you didn't discover this and it worked and you, and you gave that it, it's to working, us, yeah, yeah. you proved it. Forget the vaccine. And there is a medication that they are they are coming out with right. now that to, that treats patients with COVID. With and we're already using the remdesivir yeah. and the dexamethasone, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen that one with Merck. Yeah. yeah. However, again, it's the same as chasing pain right i rather go about preventing this pain before it gets to a nine or a ten and now i have to chase it you're in a better position in a race against time with your life if you go about using the preventative measures versus the the, the reactive measures and the, the same way you eat healthy and exercise is the same way the vaccine work help you prevent Exactly. These things, right? We don't want you. We don't want to treat. We don't want to give you medicine because I don't like taking medicine. Sure. I don't want to have men to. Don't. I don't want to be in a position where I gotta take medicine. Okay. So I would rather get vaccinated. So I'm not. Even if even if I'm gonna be fine, mm-hmm. maybe I'll be fine. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not. But I don't know that. Right. Who knows that? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And somebody might say, "Well, you don't know that with the vaccine," but just with the comparing the two, <laughs> majority of people who. We know. We do know it's people who get infected. <laughs> I'm going to say it. We know. <laughs> right. The people that are dying with this disease 
at this current state of time with the tools and the information that we have are the individuals who are not vaccinated. Right. And don't, I mean, you can't have concerns about the um, long-term. Sorry, don't say long-term. Sim- effects, I don't even want to say that. Side don't say long-term effects, but the history of time, there's not been a vaccine that has developed long-term effects. It's, it's all of things say that it's within two months if you're going to have any adverse reaction to something. Right? So people sometimes try to associate vaccines with like autism and all that sure. type of stuff. But first Research all, doesn't suggest that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, if we're being honest, you researchers. And uh, the person who basically started that was some dude from over in Europe somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know. I heard he's some racist dude. So <laughs> I don't know. So we ain't uh, trusting them. Uh, Joy, I appreciate you. Always. Mia, I appreciate you. My wife, Coda, I appreciate you over there <laughs> talking to. And I hope this, you know, helps some people and they listen. Uh, and I appreciate everybody tuning in. And everybody have a good day. Peace out. Every day is a good day. They all know bad days.